Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bannett, and you're listening to the Daily Halacha, Kabbalah, and Machshava podcast series. Thanks so much for joining, for tuning in. If you're enjoying this content, check us out at www.yesodblocks.com, where we have a ton more content like this going on at that platform. And uh, really, all these frameworks that we're expressing and articulating here, according to the layout of the Halacha and the Shulchan Aruch, are all described there in much more detail and depth in an integrated way where you can really access the total array of information, Torah information that is designed to give you the backstory, the backdrop to understanding all of Torah. Also check out our recent album called Tikkun HaYesod, located at iTunes and Amazon. You can find it there. It's about using the integrated Torah frameworks that exist all over, uh, underlying all of existence, to relate to and deal with the dark side of the internet, the world of pornography. It's an important initiative that we're trying to use to try to really push forward uh, greater clarity and tools in terms of how to deal with this complex area of life. In this episode, we're continuing with our discussion of Birkas HaTorah. Uh, this whole, the, the whole context here is that we're really exploring halacha and the, each of these halachos, and again, in order, just following the Shulchan Aruch through our Achayim, but we're doing it in such a way that, that each halacha uh, sort of flags a particular, um, let's call it a particular distortion in the perceptual landscape that we have, that we use. And the idea here is that our, our the, the stack, the layers of our character are all interconnected and that the way that you're structured, the way that your tools that you use to intersect with the world. So if you think about yourself as an intangible self, that you are this thing that we call the neshama, you're this consciousness that is that is linked to this body and your body acts almost like a like an antenna. And then you are able to channel yourself into the physical uh, side of existence. So there's the, there are these layers that translate you uh, from that, or we can even, translate is probably the best word, but transform you or, or, or take the, the you that you are and, and, and conveys it into this more tangible form. So, you know, when I'm speaking, so there are tangible sounds being made and you are receiving them and unpacking them to get access to myself. And so I'm basically packaging myself into this, this boxed form that we call words. And in Hebrew, they're actually called, they're called milim, they're called tevot. These are containers, they're dvarim, they're things. We're thingifying ourselves, we're trying to box ourselves into some kind of form that then can be transmitted uh, across the divide between between ourselves in the empty space that exists between our bodies. And so that's, that's we're constantly engaging in that process. And so the, the first stage of transforming yourself into a tangible, accessible uh, self is the perceptual landscape. And that's where all the distortions really start because of the Eitz Adas that we've been discussing until now as well. This, the Eitz Adas Tovara gives you the capacity to develop perceptions of reality that are simply distorted. And you, they, they, are, they are designed, they can be constructed by you either explicitly, overtly, or implicitly through through expo- exposure, environmental influences, and habit. Uh, you can actually construct perceptions of reality that are simply not true, that are uh, amalgamations of, of, of truth and falsehood mixed together without any real discerning uh, separation, discernible separation between the true parts and the false parts. They just all kind of seem to make sense to us because we just, we're looking at the world thinking, oh yeah, like this is the way that I see it. This just is the truth. It just makes sense. And we have a very hard time being critically analytical and stepping aside from our perceptions and examining them directly. And that's what all critical thought, critical analysis is all about. It's about trying to separate yourself from the way that you see things so that you can actually examine it and then try to constantly update it and upgrade it like software and so that the, the particular 
perceptions that you're using that you should try to bring them more and more and more into harmony with the actual nature of reality through a careful analysis, through information gathering, and through a lot of self-awareness and humility where you can learn to let go of your own self-conception and, 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 and perceive your actual flaws, your actual distorted perceptions that you have developed and accumulated over time. And so in this episode, we're, we're continuing with the area of Hilchus Berkus Torah because this is really a very fundamental uh, example of this particular type of, of problem. And um, as, as, I, as I said a, a moment ago, the, the idea here is that the halacha is, is relating to a particular form of the distortion. Here it's a very central, fundamental form of the distortion capacity that we have because Torah itself is, by definition, it is the array of information that describes reality in its totality. And so if you have a distorted perception of existence, Torah is meant to be the antidote to that. It's meant, meant to be the cure and the, the, the clarifying uh, information set that will help you to find where you are deviating from reality and to help you find the unhealthy or or misaligned or or distorted or disjointed perceptions that you have. And so you have to learn how to first actually make sure that your relationship with Torah is itself not uh, not not been um, infected with the, with this distortion capacity. And that's exactly what the point of Birkasa Torah actually is. It's coming to help us to, to peel off distortions and actually observe our own Torah knowledge in a way that is not filled with our own self, with our own ego, with our own interests, with our own habits, with our own preferences, but to try to actually absorb the Torah itself. And the analogy for that would be listening to somebody else when they talk. In fact, the study of Torah is basically engaging in very high-level listening uh, of what Hashem is sharing about existence. And so when we listen to other people, so there's different levels of listening you can engage in. And the 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 most the highest level will be where you can move yourself out of the way and allow the other person's perspectives to flow in so you can actually see the world through their own eyes and try to actually see their perspective of whatever the issue is they're describing as if you were them. And that's called empathic listening, where, you're, where you really move yourself out of the way and your own perceptual landscape in a very intense form of anava, of humility, where you basically are able to say, there is no real me here. My, my lenses are, are not important enough right now to be accessed. I just want to access your lenses. And so that's, that's the highest form of listening, which is what we're trying to engage in when we're, when we're learning Torah. And in contrast, you can listen in a way that's filled with your own understandings while also trying to hear the other person's. And when you do that, it's much harder to really get a, a, a real sense of where, they, where they're at and what they're seeing so that you can really be there for them. They'll also feel that. They'll, if, you're, if you're listening to somebody with a mix of your own perspectives where you're kind of judging what they're saying while simultaneously listening to it, so they're going to feel like you're listening to evaluate, you're listening to, to judge, you're listening to assess, and that is not a relationship-building bridge experience. Instead, it makes them feel like you are very separate and other from them, and they're going to feel like... like like your listening is not a connective experience. And so that type of listening is exactly analogous to when we learn Torah with our own uh, with our own agendas, with our own ego, with our own issues. And it's not always easy to see what those issues are. And some, some of us are learning Torah because we're insecure. And so we want to feel like we're more, like we're, we're people of significance because we learn Torah. Some of us are using the Torah to, to feel like we're smart. And there's all kinds of embedded underlying self-esteem, ego-related uh, dynamics that can that can worm their way into your involvement with Torah, into your perceptual landscape. And that's what we're trying to avoid 
when we're doing these things. And when, when you're, if, it's kind of like if you're talking to somebody who, let's say, you know, let's say you're talking to somebody who's really, really physically attractive. So there's a classic thing that guys do, but it's also true for girls. Let's say you're talking to somebody who's really famous or physically, you know, very, like, a famous person who's really pretty. Whether it's a guy or a girl, let's say you're a girl talking to a guy, a guy talking to a girl, whatever it is, but somebody who's very well known, very physically attractive. So you're, you, you want, like in, in a real relationship setting, ideally what you would do is you would try to listen to them and learn them and get to know them. But because of the, uh, the intensity of their, of, of your perception of them as someone who is significant in a social, uh, social hierarchy type of way, so that can actually infect how your, how your interaction works and you can't actually listen to them because you're so busy thinking about, oh wow, look, look at this, like this person's talking to me, I must be someone important or, or other people will see me and they'll, they'll think of me as more important now because of this experience. These are uh, embedded uh, uh, ego distortions that can break into a relationship space and often they will poison the relationship itself because there's no way to really get to know someone deeply if you're so busy thinking about the social status component of your interaction with them because you can't actually listen to them very carefully and fully because you're so busy thinking about your own self and what it is that you can gain. So it acts as a separator, as a barrier between you and them. And so that's exactly true also with Torah. Whenever you are, you know, if you think about Torah as, as deep listening and Hashem is the one who's sharing his, his map of existence, his perspectives, his ideas, his feelings, his thoughts about the world, which is exactly what, what Torah is. It's literally Hashem's thoughts about existence. The Gemara is actually written in that form. It's, it's written in a thought structure where there's just a lot of tangential, uh, you know, kind of like associative thought, one thought leading to another with analysis, critical, like self-reflection, all kinds of flows of thoughts. It actually patterns the human mind. Uh, so, and it was constructed that way on purpose. It's, it's designed to do that. And so you're, 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 if you're learning that, if you're learning Gemara with that kind with any kind of agenda, besides just trying to understand deeply what it means and, and how to integrate all the different things that you do learn in the body of, of Gemara, so then you're going to really run into these kinds of problems where you're detaching yourself from the person that you're listening to from Hashem. And so Birkas HaTorah is this, this, uh, this, set of tools designed to help us to avoid doing that. So we're up to Halacha Beis, and it's not a long Halacha, but it's, you know, this introduction is important in terms of understanding it. So let's just see what it says. This is now where Simon Mem Zion, uh, which is section 47, Halacha Beis, Halacha number two. Tzarech Levarech, you should, you have to say Birkas HaTorah, Bein Lemikra, Bein Lemishna, Bein Gemara. Whether you're learning Chumish, which is the, the Torah, the Torah Shavichsav, the written Torah, Bein Lemishna, or you're learning the, the bullet, uh, ideas of Torah Shabbat, Bein the Gemara, or you're learning the analysis uh, of the associative analysis that flows out of the Mishnah. And then the, the Ashkenazi posing the Ramah adds here, Haga, Bein the Medrash, he says the Medrash is also included in that. So let's just break these down a little bit, what each of these things is. So the Torah Shabbat is the, it's the, it's more rigid in a sense, it's basically the blueprint text which all of the all the concepts that we have in Torah Pet flow from there. So you can think of that as like Torah is kind of like when you when you get a letter from somebody. Somebody writes you a letter. So or today actually the text messaging world is actually a great analogy for this. When you when we text with each other, so we have what's written. And I hear lots of people frequently uh, exp explain and express how when they receive a text message, they say, let's say it's one that they find to be negative or offensive or a Facebook post like that or any kind of other written uh, transmission of information. People will often say, I found that offensive or you said this, th this is what you said and you know, you wrote it and you said it and this is what you meant. And there is this failure to recognize that the written word is inherently one-dimensional in a certain way because the words that are there are unchanging. So the, there's, there's a very finite number of words. And so that's, that's like the level one of Hashem's Torah. He basically wrote a letter 
and that letter has a lot of information in it. In it, but the question, the issue is that because it's it's a it's a very rigid structure to have a written letter in that way. So there's a lot, a lot of things that need to be then articulated. So let's you know if you write somebody a message and they read it in one way, but you intended it in a different way. So the way to solve that problem is twofold. The main way is for you to now go and and talk to them and be like, oh, here's what I meant, and to explain it to them. And the other part, the other piece to that, the twofold, the second piece. Is uh, is that they have to also when they read it they have to be aware as to the nature of the written the written word so they don't get confused and actually assume that whatever they interpret and 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 interpolate into the written words is the actual meaning that was intended and if they then say to you well you're explaining that you meant this but I but I you know I I, I heard it this way and this is what I think you meant that's silly because the person who is the authority on what it is that they that they meant when they wrote something. Is the person who wrote it? That's that's obviously always true. Now, of course, there could be people who are duplicitous a little bit, and they might they might write something intending it in one way, and then try to get out of getting caught on on what it is that they meant, because now that they're seeing the the, the negative responses to what they wrote, so now they feel they feel uncomfortable, so they want to rewrite history and then try to pretend like they didn't really mean what it is that they meant, and that of course requires conversation. And these require relationship discussions, which are not always so easy, but they are required in order to have understanding. And if the goal is to create genuine connection and genuine understanding of each other, then that's what you have to do. You have to basically receive the written word, try to understand it as open-mindedly as you can, and to really get get a, you know combining your your understanding of what you think they meant with what you know about them, so that way it makes sense. I mean, if it's a person who's very sweet and kind, and they wrote something which sounds a little bit harsher, well, then you can kind of connect their general dynamic with what you're reading now to give them a, a, a benefit of the doubt perspective with a lot of openness and say, yeah, presumably this is what they meant. And then when you speak to them, you can just get a feel for what they meant. And then there's no reason to even discuss what you thought it meant because you know what they what they intended and it's clarified. And so. That's exactly what Torah Shabbat is. If you know that, if you know who Hashem is, and the Torah, the Torah itself talk, tells us a lot about who Hashem is, but it, and Torah is the Torah Shabbat Peh, but the idea is the same. It's that basically the Torah Shabbat has the has the the issue of being a a much more uh, unidimensional um, uh, medium of transmission of information, and so then we have these other the Torah Shabbat Peh basically is supposed to be was supposed to be simply the explanations of what was intended in all of its detail, and there's so much detail because when you have a very you know intense relationship with somebody with lots and lots and lots of parts, then of course there's many things to us to assess, to examine, to talk about, to discuss, to explore, and to learn about each other. And so the Torah Shabbat Peh originally was basically just that. It was the the explaining and the, the active discussing in real time of what was going on in the Torah Shabbat And so at, at some point over time it started to degrade because people started to forget a lot of it and it, it, it was not discussed in, as people began to become more and more distorted in terms of how they were perceiving existence and, the, and, and Hashem's presence began to fade in people's minds because of the Itzadas. Again, the same way that it started off, you, if you recall, we discussed in previous episodes, or if you don't recall, then we'll just mention it now, but uh, as time passed, so after the story of the Itzadas happened in the Chumash, so Hashem's presence became more and more and more uh, blocked out of existence simply because people's perceptions were, were making it difficult for them to actually see the bigger picture of anything because the habituation perception dynamic that we have tends to pull us towards that which is right in front of us. And so the Torah is basically supposed to be undoing that, but over time, this, the, as I mentioned in the introduction here in this episode, 
over time the Das Tovarak uh, dynamic began to actually invade into the Torah space as well and making people stop seeing Torah clearly, stop learning Torah as much, and habituating them to basically become more and more distant from the Torah and making Hashem less and less visible to them in their experiential involvement with the world. And so that process, essentially the Torah Shabbat Peh, began to fail because people stopped knowing it and stopped speaking about it. And so that's when the Mishnah came along, which is basically a few people uh, compiled all these bullet points that are meant to act as memory triggers. So you write, you know, a one-liner, and uh, as an example, a Mishnah in Kedushin, a man creates Kedushin in three ways, and then it lists the three ways, Kesef, Shtar, and Bia, and those are three ways to create Kedushin, which is uh, what we call today, uh, is usually translated as marriage, though it really means to create a dedicated sexual context for a man and a woman. Um, and there are three ways to create one of those, and then you know, that's just a bullet idea. And then there's an analysis in the Gemara, which is the thinking that was then later on even added to the Mishnah. It used to be that you would just read the Mishnah, and they would trigger a cascade of memories and thoughts of what is being of what of what is in Tarshabal Pes. So, so then you can have the discussion of those things. Once the cascade of memories and thoughts began to be forgotten completely, so then those then then another generation of people actually wrote down the cascades of thoughts directly. So that way you could actually learn the bullet, you could read it. And then, and then you could actually read the ca- the thought cascade, which is what we call the Gemara. So that way, you could uh, you could actually access the thoughts that were associated with that bullet uh, idea. And so that's the Mishnah, and, that, and that's the Gemara, and that's Torah Shabbal Peh. And the Medrash is also part of that. The Medrash is basically the, a, a similar thought cascade analysis uh, set of thoughts that are that are that correlate and correspond to the Chumash Torah Shabbat more directly in terms of uh, ideas that are also very often much broader than just halacha. And they include they include a lot of Kabbalah concepts, but I just want to stress that the Gemara also has areas of, of Gemara that work exactly the same way, called the Agarta. And basically, there's you can you can kind of break down the Torah Shabbal Peh to to categorize it into Halacha, which is basically the practical actualization and expression of Torah concepts that we're discussing in the Shulchan Aruch here. And then there's also all the underlying thought structures and, and conceptualizations of existence that we're also discussing here because the goal is to show the bridges between those things. So this halacha that we just learned is articulating this is all Torah. It's all part of the world of Torah. And unfortunately, today in the Das Tovarah atmosphere that we within which we dwell right now, so we just have this tendency to categorize, to break things apart. And again, categorizing is not inherently bad. It's only a problem when you get used to the categories in a habituated way and then actually forget what they're meant to represent. And so you might say, well, I've, I'm a Gemara learner. Well, I'm a Chumash learner. Well, I learn Hasidus. Well, I learn, uh, I learn, you know, I learn Machshava. Do you learn Kabbalah? And these are all like different categories that people like to use, but they're, they're really, the categories are somewhat artificial. They can be useful in terms of just knowing which books are kind of like part of which genre or which aspect of Torah thought. But Torah thought is one totality. It is one seamless framework that is, it, 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 it is analogous, it is parallel to the totality of existence that goes from the deepest intangible truths all the way to the most practical, uh, measurable truths and, and everything in between. And so we have Torah that mirrors all of that because by definition, if Torah is the map of existence, it must mirror all of existence as well. And so the idea here is is to, you know, to use the categorizations can be useful to, uh, to say, okay, I want to learn the skill now of learning Gemara. 
okay, so that could be a useful skill to learn because there's certain syntax and language with Gemara, so then we can have that 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 thought that 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 understanding when we learn Gemara. We so th- then we can basically zoom in on it in a certain way, a way that's useful. It has you as utility. But if you start to break that apart and say, well, I only learn Gemara. I don't learn other things. I don't learn deeper things. Or I, the, 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 and to sort of have this almost embedded, habituated perspective inside ourselves that those things are not Torah or something. Uh, Chassidus is not Torah, or 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 Kabbalah is not Torah because it's not part of the the category that I'm used to thinking of as Torah. Well, that's exactly what this halacha comes to to combat and to negate and say these things are all Torah. And you have to, and even though they are separate categories, the Birkas Torah concept is that you have to make the bracha before you learn any of these things in order to connect them all back to Hashem because there is no there is no area of Torah that is not really an expression of Hashem's thought. And if you learn it without that awareness, then you're essentially falling into the Das Tovarad dynamic that we're discussing here. That is the whole point of these uh, these brachos and these deeper concepts. So that's basically this halacha. Let's uh, we're going to keep continue in the next episodes with more Birkas Torah ideas. So thanks so much for joining and for tuning in. Again, check us out at yesoblocks.com and subscribe to support what it is that we're trying to create here. And looking forward to having you join me in the next episode. Thank you.